how often should you change the oil in yo internal combustion chariot, dude? Because what we really want to avoid here is water staying in the oil down there. Duncan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars. Cheap. Australia only. Website. Card. Now, I've got a question here from Andrew De... <coughs> I think. I think that's right. It must be how you say it. Anyway. Andrew Unpronounceable says, My pride and joy is a 2003 VY Series 1 Commodore 3.8 with 95,000 Ks on the clock. I'm sorry to hear that, Andrew, I, I, truly. Now, let's just think about that for a second. This is nearly a 20-year-old car, right? It's coming up for 20, and it's coming up for 100,000 Ks. So, statistically, it's hardly moved. It only does about 100 Ks a week, on average. The only driving it does, Andrew says, is longer distances, not puttering about town. Well, that bodes well, doesn't it? They like that cars, particularly big shitters like the Commodore. But in between, it does sit in the shed for several weeks at a time. Question. Should I continue to have oil changes every six months? As I understand that oil can deteriorate with moisture and other stuff building up. And we have had an incredibly wet and foggy season in the past several months. The mechanics I use keep me up to date with any potential issues. Not that I have had many to worry about, apart from mostly age-related things. Dude, I'm feeling it. Essentially... Am I wasting money by continuing the six monthly services with the aforementioned in mind? Looking forward to hearing your comments. Many thanks, Andrew De... <coughs> okay, Andrew. Good question, dude. Now, look, first thing you gotta say is, where does this water come from, okay? And it's got nothing to do with the rain or water vapor in the air, fog, things of that nature, okay? When you burn gasoline and diesel, same sort of difference, the principal combustion byproducts are CO2 and water, okay? That's what happens. There's a chemical transformation involving the release of energy, the rapid expansion of the gas. Blah, 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 blah. That's combustion. One of the principal combustion byproducts is water. And when a car engine is cold, the parts have not expanded to their operating temperatures yet. The clearances are a bit off. There's a bit of blow-by past the rings. And some of that water, which is obviously steam because it's hot in there in the combustion chamber, some of that water gets blown past the rings and gets into the crankcase. And if you only sort of drive short distances, when you come home or when you stop where you're going, you know, that all cools down and it condenses inside the crankcase and falls into the oil. Next time you start up, that water mixes with the oil because it's a blender down there, right? And ultimately you end up with an emulsion of water and unburnt fuel and a whole bunch of things of that nature. This is if you only drive short distances, dude, okay? If you drive longer distances, that process still occurs when the car is warming up, like for the first 30 seconds to a minute or something, but then the piston heats up and it's made of aluminium so it expands rapidly and blah, 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 the clearances come up and you've only got a small amount of blow-by and you're driving a hell of a long distance at maximum sort of normal operating temperature. The oil warms up, the block warms up, you get the full heat soak, in other words. So any water that is in the crankcase gets sort of 
evaporated off again and it's in the air in the crankcase and comes through the PCV system and gets burnt in your engine and unburned fuel, ditto. Most of those sort of volatile contaminants and the water, they disappear when you drive a long distance. And that's why if you've done, you know, a lot of short distance driving from any at any particular time, you might have spent four or five weeks just dropping the kids off to school and coming home, and particularly in the pandemic, right? You're really not doing much more driving than that or, you know, shops and back, things of that nature. And then you go on a long distance drive, okay, and you drive for a couple of hours. And if you check your oil before you depart, it can be perfect right right up there near the full mark and then you stop for fuel or something i don't know four hours later and you might check the oil at that time and if you do you might be somewhat alarmed to see that it has dropped substantially and is closer to the low mark on the dipstick right and you think jesus have i got an oil leak and the answer is no dude you don't what's happened is all of that stuff that's been building up in the oil the water and the unburned fuel and all of that dilution with those volatile things has been evaporated off, okay? And you might be a bit low on oil, but it's not because your engine's wearing out or you've had some terrible mechanical problem, okay? It's just because heat and time has done its work. So I'd suggest that if you've been driving long distances, like you've just come back from a 100k drive or something, and which is your weekly driving on average, let's not forget, and the car just sits there, then there's really nothing happening with the oil chemically it's not heating up it's not cooling down it's it's just fairly stationary doing its thing which would be not much until the next time you start it up so i'd suggest that there are some things in oil like acids and contamination of that nature that don't get sort of boiled away and just as a hedge against any damage in bearings from that kind of crap just continue to get the oil changed every six months. And dude, you're not paying much for your car. Like, you've got to rego it and insure it, sure. But you're really not paying very much to run it because you're not running it very much at all. And you're right that some things just fall apart with age as opposed to distance. But many more things fall apart with distance. And there are many more operating costs that are proportional to distance, okay? So you're not paying much for the car. And with a car of that nature... How much is an oil change really anyway? I mean, you get in the car, you start it, you drive to the mechanic, he does the oil change. Like, if he can't whip it up on the hoist and do the oil change and put it back down and have it parked inside 15 minutes, he's in the wrong job. But I'd suggest that just as a hedge against longevity, because it sounds to me like you love your car and there's nothing wrong with that. I know I took the piss out of you earlier, but there's nothing wrong with loving your Commodore. That's allowed. You might as well hang on to it because you don't use it much. What would the benefit be to dropping 20 grand on an upgrade? Not very much. And you might not like that car as much because it'll have a whole bunch of electronic things that give you the shits that you'll have to, you know, accommodate. Your car will probably be safer, but, you know, do you really need that? You're not really at risk much because you're not really driving it that much. So for all these reasons, you know, just do the maintenance every six months, whatever else needs doing, it doesn't hurt to have your mechanic just have a little look around while he's sort of down there so that you can maybe adjust the brakes or adjust the handbrake and things of that nature just in case. It's always good every six months to have someone who knows not to use one of these things when any other option is available. It's always good to have a person just like that have a once-over on your car every six months. Like, and 
It doesn't cost you much, dude.